I'd like to welcome you to the ministry of McCormick's Creek Church. We certainly hope that you will enjoy this selection. Another Sunday morning, or are we alive in Jesus? How's your walk with God this morning? Have you had a chance to say a quick prayer? Have you had a chance to uh, revel in the fact that this is another day that you were able to stand and, and see the sun to shine and to feel the coolness of the day? Yes, the day does seem like uh, a, a fall day, and uh, I, I enjoy this kind of weather. I, I was talking with Brother Sims, and he was, said he had a friend in, in, uh, in was it New Hampshire, was it, or Maine? And, and he says that it's always like this in, in, in uh, July for them, but um, it, it could speak of some things that are to come in this, this coming uh, uh, season. Um, if you've gotten your Bibles uh, and you want to turn to 2 Kings 22, we're going to be reading out of uh, verses 8 through 13 and then 18 through 20. I want to apologize on the outset for not having uh, Brother Graves the scriptures and Brother Jeremy the title, and um, that's my fault. I've been kind of running around this morning with my chicken, like a chicken with its head cut off, but uh, so be it. So anyway, uh, I'm going to the title of my sermon this morning is "What Is Lost Can Be Found." Reading out of Second Kings, chapter 22, starting with verse 8, it says this: And Hilkiah the high priest said unto Shaphan the scribe, "I have found the book of the law." In the house of the Lord. Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan and he read it. Amazing how some people have not read the word of God in this day and age. And Shaphan the scribe came to the king and brought the, law, the, the king word again and said, Thy servants have gathered the money that was found in the house and have delivered it into the hand of them that do the work. And they have oversight of the house of the Lord. And Shaphan the scribe showed the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest hath delivered me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. And it came to pass that when the king heard the words of the book of the law, he rent his clothes. Now here's, a, here's something that Brother Robertson was just talking about. When you get a hold of the Word of God, there's, there's something about the Word of God that will cause you to, to, to have a have a tenderness of heart to see the fact that, hey, I don't measure up anymore. I'm not, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And as the, as the king heard the, the word of God, he, he repented of his, his lifestyle. He repented of the things that he, he found out that he was doing wrong. And it came to pass, again in verse 11, as the king heard the words that, of the book of the law, that he rent his clothes, and the king commanded Hilkiah the priest, and Achim, the son of Shaphan, and Egbar, or Egbor, the son of Micaiah, and Shaphan, the scribe, and Ahiza, try to pronounce all these words, a servant of the king, saying, Go inquire of the Lord for me, and for the people, and for all Judah, concerning the words of this book that is found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us, because our fathers have not hearkened unto the words of this book. To do according to all that which is written concerning us. Concerning, dropping down to verse 18, it says this. But to the king of Judah which sent you to inquire of the Lord, thus saith he unto him, thus saith ye unto him, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, as touching the words which ye have heard. Because thy heart was tender, and thou hast humbled thyself before the Lord. When thou heardest what I spake against this place and against the inhabitants, that they should become a desolation and a curse, and hast rent thy clothes, and hast wept before me, I have also heard thee, saith the Lord. Behold, therefore, I will gather unto thee, unto thy, I will gather, I will gather thee unto thy fathers, and thou shalt be gathered into thy great grave in peace. And thine eyes shall not see all the evil which I will bring upon this place. And I will bro and they brought the, the king word again. With the help of the Lord this morning, I want to talk to you about restoration 
and hope. Restoration and hope. Again, the title of my message is, That Which is Lost Can Be Found. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, I ask your blessings, Lord, upon this morning. Lord, this is not just another morning, Lord. This is not just another day that has come upon us and that we walk through it and, and experience the things that come into our lives. But Lord, this is the day that you have made. And you have allowed us, Lord, to be in this place to hear the Word of God and to allow the Word of God and the Spirit of the Lord to guide us today, Lord. We ask your blessings upon this time and upon this, this moment, Lord. And we ask your anointing upon me, Lord, that you would loose my tongue and loose my thoughts and help me to be the vessel you want me to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Give the Lord a hand clap, clap of praise. And you may be seated. We find out that the king did more than just rent his clothes, but that he cried before God. There's something about a heart's cry that when he reaches for God, when he hears that word of God and it convicts his heart, there's something about that word of God that will reach and pierce the soul and say, I need you, God. I need you, God. And as the scripture says that he rent his clothes and wept, that God heard. God is going to hear your heart's cry if you will humble yourself before Him. It's not what I can do. It's not what the preacher can do. It's not what, the, what anybody else can do for you, but it's what God can do for you that will make a difference in your life. But the difference is, is that you've got to let Him. You can't just come to the church and, and allow the preacher to preach and let the Word of God go by and not allow the service to make a difference in your life. Life, not allowing this Word of God to change your walk, not allowing the Word of God to bring conviction in your heart, not allowing the Word of God to change you. You gotta get involved. You gotta get involved. God is not a God that is gonna leave you. God has never left mankind. He's always reached for God, for, for man to, to have a relationship with Him. God wants to restore a right relationship with man. From the very fall of man in the Garden of Eden, God has reached for man to show him how much he has loved him. God has reached for man to show how much he has cared about him. We can search the Scriptures and we'll see, we see how God deals with man. You look at the story about how Jesus told about the lost coin and how the woman searched for that lost coin until she found it. The Scriptures tells the story about the lost sheep and how the, how the, the shepherd left the ninety and nine and, and looked for that lost sheep and didn't quit until he found it. Then there's the story of the wayward son who left and knew that he was doing wrong and realized it and came to his senses and returned into a wanting arms of a father. That's the way our relationship with God is. We go our own way. We do our own thing. And we are wayward. We are lost. We die within our sin. But for some of us, God is so merciful that He reaches. He reaches for us. And He wants to restore a relationship with us. In 2 Peter 3 and 9, the Scripture says that the Lord is not slack concerning His promises, as some men count slackness. But He's long-suffering to us. We're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to a place of repentance. God reaches for mankind because God wants man to learn of Him. His love for you is so great. We, 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 we can see that through time and time again, how God has reached into your life and provided things for your heart and for your, 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 your family and for, for, for healing and for, for sustenance and for employment and for all these other things that God, God provides for. He's not going to take away the, the good things out of your life, but He's going to add more things to it. God doesn't take away, He adds to your life. There are so many people that say that God, you go to church and you can't do this and you can't do that and you, they, you can't go here and you can't go there. That's because their focus is on what they can't do. But there's so much more I can do. I can go home feeling good. I can go home with peace in my heart. I can smile at the simplest of things. I don't have to have something to entertain me. I can go with the assurance that my God is with me. 
My God is with me. Sometimes God reaches for us and we, we don't always hear His voice, but thank God He doesn't give up on us. When we meet people for the first time, we will generally wait to form an opinion about what kind of person that, that man is or that woman is. Is he wise or is he a fool? Is he somebody to be careful around? Is he somebody to be cautious with? Is he somebody who, who, who is just a working man or is he somebody who is a white-collar man? We, we base our opinions upon the things that we see. We ask, does he, how, does he, how does he look? We listen to his voice. We, we look at his overall demeanor and then we try to listen to the very thoughts that he speaks. We try to listen to the ideas that he brings across to us at the time that we are speaking to him. We try to form an opinion about what kind of man this is. We look and we say, here's a man that I can trust. Here's the man that has value. In Matthew 12 and 34 it says, O generation of vipers, how can ye be in evil speak good things? Out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. If you want to know somebody, you listen to the way they talk. If you want to know somebody, hear what they're saying. When some men talk, they talk of their passions. They talk about the things that they are interested in. One man may talk about cars, whether they are old or new, and how, how he likes to tinker with them, and how he likes to work on them, and how he likes to repair them. Others may talk of electronics. They may talk about the latest and the greatest. They may talk about their new iPhones. Others may talk about the crops or the weather. <clears throat> Others who have interests may talk about hunting. There are a lot of hunters in this church. There are, others may talk about camping. But you see, these men speak of the things that are upon their hearts. That, we'll be able to, that, that he will be able to communicate the ideas and the thoughts that are important to that man. Speaks of where he is at. You see, communication is becoming a lost art. People don't talk anymore. People don't seem to know how even to talk to other people. Even within their own families, they, they just don't say anything anymore or don't have, want to have anything to do with those around them. And when we do talk, we usually talk about small things, menial things, things that aren't important. We'll talk about the local news or the, or, or, or the weather. We'll talk about things that are happening in, in our lives as far as tragedies maybe or, or who is hurt or who is not. We live in a very closed-up society, uh, uh, electronics and, and, and cell phones and, and all the things that come with today's society hasn't made us better, it's made us worse. In the old days, you, you had to travel to go places, and once you got there, you wanted to spend time. You wanted to get to know those people. You wanted to get to, 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 to be around them and, and, and spend time with them, whether it's a relative or a friend or just acquaintances. Even at church socials in the old days, you, you'd hear that they would spend two, three, four, six, eight weeks in revival. These were people who wanted to spend time with, with each other and with God. But we don't have those revivals and those types of revivals anymore. We don't have those types of fellowship anymore, it seems. We, we become a very closed-in society. We, we, we allow the electronics of the day and the easy access to, to reading materials to keep us away from one another. So the tragedies of our lives sometimes will go and nobody will know what's happening in our lives. It's, it's a shame. It's a shame sometimes that people on this side of the church don't know people on this side of the church. I was watching recently the, 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 the young children that were passing out. I can't remember what it was, but they didn't know who Sister Graves was. They didn't know who this person was or that person was. And, 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 and the sad thing is that the adults are that way. There's some adults who don't know other adults. And we're not that big of a congregation. We need to allow ourselves to become more familial with all those who are in within our church family. We need to become more open to others around us so that we can be a help and a strength. And just be a friend. Lord, when, when, when we need friends, we have so few of them in our close society. When we need help, it seems like there is no help. Nobody cares about me, we say. Nobody, nobody cares or knows anything about me. It's because we don't spend time with one another and get to know one another.
we'll, we'll, we'll take our time and we'll read our newspapers. We'll watch our TVs. Our kids will spend two, three, sometimes four or five hours playing on the PlayStation or the Wii station. Some will go to some kind of gaming system, maybe on their cell phone. And, uh, the, 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 uh, what is it, the big thing that my wife likes to play, the uh, Candy Crush. I know that there are some around here who are addicted to that game. But we spend this time, and we, 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 we waste our time, and, and, and there's nothing wrong with enjoying some things for, for a period of time, but when, when it becomes encapsulating all our time, that's where it's wrong. For some adults, they'll go on the Internet and they'll spend hours in their chat rooms. They'll, they'll get on Facebook and Twitter and they'll say things on there that nobody would normally say in public. How many of you are aware of a man by the name of Anthony Weiner? There's, there's this man who, he lost his Senate seat about four or five years ago because he was sending his pictures of his, his private parts across the Internet to young, young women. And then he, he gives up his Senate seat, and now he's running for mayor of New York. And uh, another man by the name of Spears, another political hack who has been using prostitutes to uh, entertain himself with, and, and he's running for the city's uh, controller. He wants to control the money. These men are trying to propagate a lifestyle. They're trying to say that this, there's nothing wrong with what I do. They get on the Internet and they do things and they, they show things that they shouldn't show because they don't know how to have a relationship. These, these men are, 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 are just a, a plight upon society. The, the, the society's news people will, will hold these people up and say there's nothing wrong with it. But there is something wrong with it if you're doing those kinds of things. I'm thankful, though, I'm thankful that I don't have to go to the Internet, though, to find out about my God. I'm thankful that I don't have to go into a chat room to find out how much God loves me. I don't have to go to a, a, a Twitter account to find out how God is able to meet my needs. All I have to do is reach over and grab my Bible. I, I don't have to have something electronic. I've got my Bible. This book will tell me all I need to know about my God. And yet it's so, so hardly ever picked up. It's so hardly ever opened. We, we, we have such a, 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 so many things that grab our attention that we fail to take the one thing that should be the most important thing in our life, the Holy Bible. What makes it so important? It tells us about what God feels about you and about me. It tells how God hates the separation that sin causes in your life to keep Him from coming into your life. Romans 8 says that there, there's a separation. Sin separates us from the, from, from the presence of God. And yet, we, we fail to understand that the Word of God is able to guide us and help us through every struggle, every trial. The Word of God is able to to lead us into a place of salvation. The Word of God is the place where I find my hope. And yet we do not open it until next Sunday. My God is such an awesome God. How, how, how do you find out who God's counselor is? How do you find out who gave God His wisdom? You won't find it on the Internet. You won't find it in your local newspaper We'll never be able to comprehend God's abilities. We'll never be able to plunge, plunge the bottom of God's grace. We'll never be able to know the power or grasp the full quality of how God is able to love you and me. These things are beyond comprehension, but my Word, my Bible tells me how much God lo does love me, how, how much He's willing to reach beyond our, our, our circumstances and, and reach into the depths of our depravities and draw us out of the darkness into His love and into His light so that we can have fellowship with Him. And we don't find that in the Word of God. We, or excuse me, we don't find that in the newspaper, but we all find it in the Word of God.
Who could tell me who, uh, uh, the vast expanse of God's knowledge? Who could tell me how God has measured out the stars and called them by name? Who could tell me how God keeps the great storehouses of rain and snow in their place until they're needed? Who could tell me how great our God is, so powerful that there's no one within the sound of my voice to be able to put into words how expansive His love is for you and for me? Who could tell me my God, about my God more than the Word of God? The Word of God is so complete. It stirs me to a, to a place where I want to know more about Him. It stirs me with desire to be able to draw close to Him. But though, though it's so close, yet we keep it so far from us, it has been my desire this year to read through my Bible one more time. This is my third or fourth time through. I can't remember which, but I've almost got it read through. But it's because I want to know Him. I'm reading in the book of Job right now and how Job realizes that his life is but a short vapor. And, you know, I, I, I was reading, and part of my daily reading is also Second Peter. I started Second Peter, and I, for the first time I realized it was talking about, in, in that first chapter, how God sent the prophets and he sent the apostles, not that they would experience the things that we are experiencing, but they talked about them. They wanted to have those experiences, but they couldn't. And yet we have those experiences and we, we take them for granted. We don't experience them like we should. God's love is so complete and so, so drawing that while I was yet in my sin, He reached. He reached for me. And He said, I want to love you. Will you let me? Will you let me love you? Maybe you haven't experienced that love for a long time. Maybe you haven't felt the, the brush of God's finger upon your soul for a long time. But you know, today is a day that you can have that happen. Today is a day that you can renew your relationship God, with God on a, on a higher level, at a higher plane. You don't have to walk in dry places with God. You don't have to walk alone with God. You can walk with God with a deep-seating love. There are, there are, there are those who have, who have walked this way for years and years and years. And they, they can tell you from experience that no matter what trial, no matter what circumstance, no matter what place I'm in, that God is going to be there with you. And yet those experiences don't grow out of a book. They grow out of day-to-day -day things that happen in your life. And you say, God, what am I supposed to do here? And God will send, send an answer. God will send somebody. God will speak to your heart. God will bring something into your life to help you with that problem. The only way that we're going to find out about how God loves us is get by getting into God's Word. And David said in Psalms 119.11, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. How are we going to keep ourselves from the darkness of sin? It's through the Word of God. If we're going to find out how much God is going to get us, or God is going to take care of us, we're going to look at the lives of men like Job and David. We're going to look at the men lives like Moses and Abraham who walked in dry places. I, I cannot fathom. We look at... We look at scriptures when it comes to Abraham. And we see that one event after another, how God intervenes. But what we don't realize is sometimes God didn't speak to Abraham for 10, 15, or 20 years. There was times when the voice of God was silent for Abraham. But he still walked. He walked by faith. And there are times when it seems like God is quiet in your life. There are times when it seems like God is not answering your prayers. Those are the times that we learn to walk by faith. But God is still there. It, 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 when you get into the Word of God, it shows us how to live righteous lifestyles. It shows us how in our feeble attempts to justify our sinful habits that they don't measure up to where God is. It shows us how there is a forgiving Father who, who sees past our sins and sees our needs. It, when we get into the Word of God, it brings us encouragement when we're down. When we get into the Word of God, it brings us wisdom when we search for it. When we get into the Word of God, it brings us hope through every test, through every trial that we go through, that God is there with us. The Scripture says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. The Scriptures in Hebrews 4.15 uh, 4, says this, 
we don't we have not an high priest which we can which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities but we have he but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin the feelings of our infirmities the feelings of our weaknesses the weaknesses of our diseases, the weaknesses of our hurts, the weaknesses of our pains, the weaknesses of our jealousies, the weaknesses of our, our hatreds, the weaknesses of our lusts, the weaknesses of the pains and the aches that come with life. God knows these things. God knows every situation you're going through. Going through. God knows how, how, how arthritis cripples you with pain and, and some days it's hard to get up out of the bed. God knows because He created you. When we are tempted by sin, God knows. When we want to yield to the moment of gossip, when we want to yield to the time when we say a hateful word to a brother or a sister, when we say a hateful word to a cousin, when we say a hateful word to somebody across the church, God knows that's weakness. God knows that, that, that infirmity. And praise God, He gives us the Holy Ghost to resist those things. He gives us His Spirit because He knows we need it. He knows we need the power to overcome sin. He knows we need the power to overcome the, the, the words that are spoken hurtfully. He knows because He created us. How does God know? Because He created Himself, the Scripture says. In, second, uh, in, in chapter 2 of Philippians, he said that he made himself lower than the angels. And he robed himself in flesh. And he took on the form of man. God knows. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12 and 9, he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. You see, God wants you to trust Him. Those times when you want to turn on the TV and watch something that you shouldn't, those times when you want to be hateful, those times when you don't want to do the things that you're supposed to do, those are weaknesses that when we trust God, that's when God is glorified. When we want to hate and yet we show love, when we want to cause pain and yet we show compassion, that's God's love. God wants, is in the business of restoration. God is in the business of, of changing our lives so that we can be acceptable before Him through the blood of Christ. Why? Because our weaknesses show that we have a need in our lives. We have, you have the weaknesses that you have because God knows your life. God knows your heart. God knows your pride. God knows all about you. And He sees those weaknesses in you and He says, are you willing to trust me? Are you willing to walk with me? Are you willing to put your trust in me? You see, our weaknesses are not because maybe some genetic problem that didn't form right when we were being created in the womb. It's not because we, 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 we have this bent towards alcoholism or we have this bent towards lying. It's our weaknesses show that, first of all, I can't stop myself, and second of all, I have a need that only a Savior can meet. When Moses stood before Pharaoh and told him to let my children go, that they may travel someplace and worship me, God was showing that he could meet that need through his power, which is called omnipotence. When Abraham called out, was called out of the Ur of the Chaldees and was told to travel across the lands, God revealed himself as omnipresent. When God wrote the Ten Commandments on tables of stone and gave them unto man, God revealed His omniscience. You see, we, we want to know about God and, and, and His omnipotence and His omnipresence and His omniscience. God is all-powerful, all-knowing. God is able to be with us in every place that we are. I was, I was praying this morning and talking to God and I said, God, I, I, I need your help with this morning's message. And as I was praying, I was thinking, you know, there are thousands of preachers across the country right now praying that very same message. There are thousands of men and some women who are, who are in a pulpit this morning 
wanting God to help them to deliver the message that God has given them. My God is everywhere, and He can hear every prayer. So when you whisper your prayer in the night watches, when, you, when you're at the, at the job and, and there's something going wrong, and you, and you say a prayer, my God is there. When you're in a car accident and you're needing help, my God is there. When you're at a time when you don't know where the answer's coming from and you don't know where to turn, you can whisper a heart's prayer and my God is there and He hears that cry as the king did when he heard the Word of God and he rent his clothes and the Scripture says he rent his clothes and he wept. God heard that heart cry. He wasn't doing it by himself. But he realized judgment was coming. We may not realize judgment is coming. You said it. We see it in increments. But it's there. Judgment is coming against this land and against this world. And, and God sees men who will, will turn from their wickedness. God sees men who will turn from their sin and say, I hear it. I hear your heart's cry. I see your repentant heart. I see how you have humbled yourself. Come unto me, all ye are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You see, these are the fundamental characteristics of who God is. There's no way you're going to find out about those things unless you experience them for yourself and through the Word of God. There's no matter where you go, there's no matter what you're into, that God cannot help you through it. Isaiah 55, 9 says that the heavens are higher than the earth and my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. It's good to know. <laughs> it's good to know that God's ways are higher than my ways. It's good to know that God's thoughts are higher than my thoughts because you see, there are times that I'm narrow-minded. There are times when I don't see things like I need to see them. There are times when I, I'm bigoted. There's times when I'm angry. There are times when I don't understand. There are times when I don't see the, the real picture, the bigger picture. And I need something. I need someone to give me a bigger picture. And that's what the Word of God does. We come, before we come to God, we look at our world. We're like children. We say, this is my world. We come and we say, this is all who I am. It's my family, it's my friends, it's my job. And we give our things, our, ourselves to them. But we're so narrow-minded, so, we have such tunnel vision because all we see is what's around us. But there's a bigger world out there. The world doesn't revolve around you and it doesn't revolve around me. And sometimes I need somebody to remind me about it. And that's who my God is. It's, it's the way that God has chosen to reveal Himself to you and to me that helps us to, file, to, to, to understand the basic foundation of how God wants a relationship with you and me. God's not going to talk to you like He talks to me. I can remember times when Brother Langley would talk about going out into the woods, sitting in a tree stand for hours, just hearing the voice of God. I have a place in my basement where I go to read and to, to, to study and to, to type out notes and to just, just spend time in prayer with, and, and God will speak to me there. But for each one of you, God speaks to you in a different way. And God reaches out to each one of you because He knows that each one of us needs Him. And so He understands that you're not going to hear the way I hear. He's not gonna, he understands that you're not going to... You're not going to respond the same way I'm going to respond. But the, the, the greatness of my God is that He can meet each one of us where we're at. He is a great source of insight and revelation. Not only built upon experience, but because His Word reveals how great His love is for us. God in times past revealed Himself through divine intervention and prophetic utterances. But today we have a greater insight we have 66 books to guide us through our, our, our life. We have 66 books to be used to, to help us through our situations, to learn about God. We have 66 books that tell us of the coming judgments, the coming doom of this world. You see us talk about hope and restoration this morning. 
God, the, the, the whole purpose of this lesson is, is, is for us to understand that when we alienate ourselves from the Word of God, we alienate ourselves from God. This is an expression of who God is. This is an expression of how God feels. This is an expression of God what, what God thinks of you. God's Word expresses who He is. And we don't have to worry about crossing the, the, the deserts to try to find a, 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 a swami or try to find the, the great wise man upon the pinnacle of the, on the Wizard of Id. You know? we, don't, we don't have to go to these great links to find a relationship with God. The beauty of God's love and of God's Word is that it tells us that He's right here, right now. My God is a right now God. Matthew 20, or 7, 22 and 23 says this, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wondrous works. Then I will profess unto them, I never knew you depart from me, ye that work iniquity. You see, we can, we can come to our church and we can sit upon our pew and still not have a relationship. When Hilkiah came to the king, you see, only the high priest could take the word of God out of the, of the, of the uh, mercy seat. Only the high priest could go in because whoever looked upon the mercy seat without the proper anointing, without the proper uh, covering of blood upon them, was struck dead. It was only the high priest that was allowed to go before the mercy seat once a year. And somehow, that word that was in underneath the mercy seat, that, 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 that word that was hidden in, in, in the Ark of the Covenant, it, it, it got taken out. It, got, it, 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 it was somehow misplaced. I'm talking about the, the book of the law. And, and, and nobody knew where it went. And, and there were those kings before this king that tried to destroy everything there was about God. And, and the Word of God became silent through the years. And nobody knew about the Word of God or how, how was the right approach. You see, the Word of God went silent. And when we don't pick up our, our Bibles off the coffee table, when we don't read our Bibles through the week, when we don't open the book until Sunday morning, we're, God is silent in our lives. If we don't have an ongoing relationship with God in His Word, if we don't have an ongoing relationship, God's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. How? How are we going to change our lives if we don't get, get into the Word of God? Even Satan, when he tempted Christ, said, is it not written? If Satan knew the Word of God and was able to quote it, how much more should we know it? The Old and New Testament books and letters are brought together in such an easy read. We don't, we don't have to buy six and seven different compilations or six, six or seven different versions of the same thing. All we need is one. And we can buy it anywhere. We can buy it at Walmart. We can buy it at, at, at Kmart. We can buy it wherever we may go. The thank, the, thankfully, the Word of God is still able to be obtained. But I believe in, in the coming days that we're not going to be able to find a Bible. Why do I say that? Do you, do you know that we, we can't even mention the word Jesus over the deaths of our military men? We can't mention the word God when we're saying their last rites. Just this week there was a chaplain that was punished because he wrote about a book about World War II chaplains and he said there were no atheists in foxholes. And he got in trouble for it. Why? Because it was talking about men who were in the midst of firefights and death situations and they called upon God. But he was punished because they were talking about God. We, we, we've got a government that doesn't want to say anything about God. We can talk about Allah. We can talk about Muslims. We can talk about all kinds of things, but don't, don't talk about God. We don't want our children to learn about God in our classrooms. We're not allowed to be taught that God is, is the God of, of creation. We, we're not allowed to talk about 
uh, intelligent design. <laughs> There's a, a, a man, a professor, I can't remember what college it was, that been in the paper lately because he believes in intelligent design. And you got all these atheists who don't want him to be, t- be teaching their, their, their kids. It's, it, it, the government doesn't want us to, 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 to pray over our, our graduation ceremonies anymore. Used to be a kid could kind of sneak a prayer in there or talk about God in a, in a graduation situation. And, and this year I heard where some of the principals have taken a, got a plug uh, with the microphone. And if they start talking about God, they just unplug them. Teachers can't talk about God or they can lose their jobs. And then we wonder why our world is in the shape that it's in. When you take away all the moral boundaries, when you take away all the things that teach the difference between right and wrong, and you, and, and, and you teach situational ethics, and you teach that mommy has two, two, two or Johnny has two mothers, or two daddies, whatever, um, you know, it just, it's shameful where we're at. It's because people have decided to put down the Word of God. Our day is not much different from the day that this, this scripture that we read in 2 Kings is. Our, our days are not that far from where we, they were back then when the Word of God had gone silent and men and women didn't speak out about the, the things of God. We don't have to wonder anymore of where this world is going. There's an old saying in, that the world is going to someplace in a handbasket. <laughs> and it's true. Judgment is coming. Judgment is coming in our world. And the only way we're going to escape that judgment is through the Word of God. How else are you going to know what it takes to be saved? It's through the Word of God. God loved us so much that He gave so much, and yet we, have, we, have, we, we, we hold church service in such poor, poor standing we, we hold the Word of God and the man of God in such poor standing. We, we, we speak evil of Him when, when we're at home. We speak about things that should not be spoken in front of our kids, and then we wonder why our kids don't want to spend time in church. I've talked to different people, and from time to time they'll, they'll think that they know the Word of God, and they'll add two, three, or even four verses together to make one verse. It's because they, they, they haven't spent time. They've, they've heard this person say this or this person say that, and they, they're not familiar with the Scripture. Just last week, our pastor was talking about when to intervene in somebody's life to help them when they're struggling, when to help them with money or something else. And, and there was a little roundtable discussion, and, 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 and I was mentioning James, and we talked about that a little bit, and... Later on, Brother Robertson came to me that day and said, Hey, I couldn't find it. I couldn't find what you were talking about in the Scripture. And so I was able to take that Scripture, take, it, take the Bible that he had and showed him in the Scripture where I was coming from, and I was able to prove it. Now, that's not to pat me on the back, but it, it's saying that you have to spend time in the Word to know what it says. You have to be able to, to, to qualify and quantify your position. There are so many people who want to say God does not exist. There are so many people that says God is not alive. And yet our, our, we don't know how to combat those things. We don't know how to, how, how to instill a love for God in our children anymore. But it's reading the, the Scriptures and having a relationship with prayer. Some, in our text today, we didn't get to it, but in the 14th verse of that scripture, it talks about that when God sent, or when the king sent men to, to, to inquire of God, you know where they sent him? He sent him to a woman who was a, 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 a wife of a working man. He said it wasn't the king's servants who knew where God was, it wasn't the high priest that had the relationship. 
It wasn't the lawyer or the scribe that had the relationship with God to hear the voice of God. It was somebody who, who had a relationship with God and spent time with God and was familiar with the Spirit of God. And that doesn't come unless you're in the Word of God and have a prayer time with God. God is not just looking for, for, for people of, uh, who are white-collar or, or people who, who are so intellectual. God's looking for you and me to get out there in the highways and the byways to experience the things that we experience and allow God to be shown through our lives. God is not silent today. God is not silent. God is speaking loud and clear. I firmly believe that the, the, the droughts that we had last year and, and, and all the fires that, that take place and the lightning strikes and, and, and the earthquakes that kill hundreds of people and the, and the buildings that collapse underneath them, they're judgments of God trying to wake people up. People who don't, don't know who God really is. People who don't have a relationship with God. Some of the kings of Judah were very wicked and evil. And they did everything they could to destroy the Word of God and the things of God. I think of Rehoboam, or excuse me, Jeroboam, who was given a kingdom. And all he had was he had one requirement. God gave him one requirement that you allow the people of Israel to come and worship him, worship him. And he wouldn't do it. He created two golden calves and, and caused people to worship these idols. I ask you, what is an idol in your life that takes the place of God? Romans 1, Romans chapter 1, is a chapter that is filled with all kinds of verses that talk about worshiping the creature more than the Creator. We want to we exalt our flesh above God. We have come to the place where we worship more of the earth than we worship God. We're so worried about the earth, Mother Earth. We're so worried about uh, global warming that we kill, yet we kill so many people every day. We, we, we'll, we'll, we'll lift an exotic animal higher than we lift up human life. We, we hold life in such low regard. And God must weep. God must weep because He made the animals subject unto man. God must weep because He gave the animals for food. God must weep that we, every day uh, another life is taken. You look at the, the young men in Chicago and, and Detroit... And, and some of these other urban areas where, where black-on-black crime is taking life after life after life. Every weekend in Chicago, four, five, ten, twenty men are killed every weekend. And God must weep at the, the, the death of humanity, how cheap it must be in the eyes of man. We, 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 we look at that chapter and... And we, 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 we say the Word of God is our king. Church is no longer important in our lives. And yet, we destroy our lives through drugs and alcohol and loose living. We have lifted up the gay lifestyle and said that it's, it's important. And, and, and the gay lifestyle is pushed down our throats. But yet, in our country, it only comprises about 4% of the population. We're not allowed in our schools and our jobs anymore to talk about faith. I work with a woman who who had a scripture on her machine this week and she was told that she has to take it down. We're not allowed to let the Word of God to be seen because we're afraid that we might offend somebody. But what about our offense? 2 Timothy Three, two, two, three, excuse me. Second Timothy three, two through five is so apt in speaking of our attitudes of today. For men shall be lovers of their own selves; they shall be covetous, bold, proud; they shall be blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affections, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. 
They're trady, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. It was amazing to hear the closing arguments of the lawyer for this young man who sold all our, a lot of our secrets to WikiLeaks. And he, he, he wasn't a traitor, his lawyer said. He was just blow, a whistleblower. And he didn't really mean to have people die because of what he revealed. He didn't really mean to release state secrets. I'm not talking about John Snowden. I'm talking about another man. Both are equal traitors. And, uh, but they try to justify selling their country out. And we try to justify our lifestyles and say that this will be all right or that will be all right. We, tr- we hold so lightly the, the Word of God and so lightly the things of God in our life and yet when tragedy strikes, people come to those who have a relationship with God. But I'm not worried. I'm not worried, you see, because the last ark hasn't left yet. The last ark has not lifted off the earth. I'm speaking of the rapture of the church. You see, I'm so thankful because the last soul has not been won yet. The last man or the last woman has not been saved yet. The beauty of God's hope is that God is still reaching for man today. As bleak and as, as disconcerting and as, as depressing things may be at times, God is still reaching for a lost man or a lost woman. God is still reaching to, to, to help somebody out of their struggles. God is still speaking to you and to me. God is still moving through the Word of God. The Word of God is still being preached this morning. It's not outlawed yet, as in some places. We can still find a Bible in our public libraries. We can still go to the store and find some on our shelves. You see, God isn't done with this world yet. We still have a chance to save our, our children and our cousins and our husbands and our wives. God's not done with us yet. And you still have an opportunity to have your life closer to God, have your walk with God closer. You still have an opportunity to be a vessel through which God can move in somebody else's life. God's not done with this world yet. And I thank God for that. Because if He had come any sooner, maybe I wouldn't have been saved and you wouldn't have been saved. If He had come like He was supposed to, it's hard to say how many people be going to hell. The sad thing is, the scripture says that, God, that hell hath enlarged itself. There are men who work to get into hell. There are men who push the boundaries of hell. But there's still the grace of God looking to touch somebody else's life. And He's looking in your life, and He's looking in my life, and saying, Will you be that lightning rod? Will you be that turning point? Will you be that point where you can touch somebody else's life with God's grace. Will you be a witness? Will you be a testimony? Will you work for me? Will you do a, a work in, my li- in the life of somebody else? Will you work in a Sunday school classroom? Will, will you talk to this friend? Will you talk to this person? God is reaching. God wants everyone to be saved. The Scripture says that God wishes no man to perish. That's why we can know that there are, there are certain people who are, who are going to be saved and certain people who are not because God wishes that no man to perish. God calls all men to a place of repentance. You don't have to be lost and your brother doesn't have to be lost and your wife doesn't have to be lost and your children don't have to be lost because God is reaching for each and every one of us. And God is reaching to have a light in this world of darkness. We talk about the scripture in Matthew 4 that says God wants you to be a fisher of men, but if you go back just a few verses, it was a light that came into a world of darkness. You are that light that is in this world of darkness and God look and and, and the world looks upon you. You know what is sad? I picked up Friday's paper and there's a picture of a man leaning against the car with no shirt on. 
His name is Porter. He runs the local junkyard over here on County Line Road. Or not County Line Road, uh, Porter Ridge Road, whatever. And uh, in the article, this man says he's a Christian. And yet he's sitting there with no clothes on. And which he should have had a shirt on. It was. <laughs> but the point is this. The man said he is a Christian and they're doing a TV special on him. And I'll guarantee you, I'll never see the program, but I'll guarantee you they'll make that man look like a buffoon. And that's what the world looks at church like. You're a bunch of buffoons and ignorant people. But, and you know, God doesn't call buffoons. There's not, there's not ignorant people in this room. You all are a representation of who Christ is. And you are the light that goes out into the world to show that God is able to call a lot of people. And he's calling you and your friends. Let's stand. Our world is in a state of spiritual decline. But there are still pockets of people who have a relationship with God. There are still pockets of people who who take God home with them and take Him to work and take Him wherever they go. And they have a love for Him that few people see. When the Apostle, Apostle Paul was in his second missionary journey, he was in Athens and he looked around in Athens and he seen all the altars to all the different gods and then he come upon the altar that said to the unknown God on Mars Hill. And he took that as a turning point and said, that which you don't know, I want to expound upon you. You see, God doesn't want to be unknown. He does everything within his power to make himself known to you and to me and to the world. If there's somebody who doesn't know God, we can introduce them. If there's somebody who needs to know God, we can show you where he's at. We can, we can, we can t bring you to an altar and we can help you to find a relationship with Him. I, I don't know where you're at in your walk with God. But don't let the Word of God be, become barren in your life. Don't let the Word of God become an anathema. Don't let it become something that is just an occasion to open as something else to read besides the TV guide. The Word of God should be close to your hearts. I, I, I wanted to talk about renewal and hope. God is constantly wanting a fresh walk with you, a fresh relationship with you. First Peter 5 and says, and says, Cast all your cares upon Him, for He cares for you. There's not a thing that's going on in your life that God doesn't care about. And there are things in this world that God cares about too. Little Sally, little Johnny, Martha, all of these people who have yet to experience Jesus in their life. And he's counting on you lights. You who burn bright for Jesus. You who walk with God. He's counting on you to take that to them and introduce them to this God. God bless you this morning. I know it's not a shouting message, but it's sometimes we need to be reminded that the Word of God is so precious that we shouldn't let it sit on our coffee tables unused. God bless you. There is uh, one scripture before I, I would dismiss. Every time I hear any message concerning the Word of God, I go back to this because I have heard a lot of people make statements concerning if I don't believe it, then, then it won't happen to me. If I believe it, then it will. In other, words, in other words, if they choose not to believe something that's in the Scripture, it doesn't pertain to them. Now, in the, the Amplified Bible, in, in uh, Romans 3, verse 3, it says, What if some did not believe and were without faith? Does their lack of faith and their faith, faithlessness nullify and make ineffective and void the faithfulness of God and His fidelity to His Word? I hear that. By no means, next verse, let God be found true, though every human being is false and a liar as it is written, that you may be justified 
and shown to be upright in what you say and prevail when you are judged by sinful men. By sinful men. In other words, it doesn't matter whether you believe it or not. If it's in the Word, it's true. And that's one thing, if you can get this imprinted in your heart, it'll make all the difference in the world. Lord, bless you. Let's raise our hands to the Lord right now. Thank you, Lord, for your blessings, your goodness, your mercy. And we pray here, Lord, this morning that you would touch each and every one, keep them safe, bring them back here early, God, to have prayer meeting. Bring them back, Lord, wanting to worship and to love you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.